the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of the sin. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Frantz. All right, good friends, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Are you ready to go? It's eight minutes after 9 o'clock, the hour of 9 o'clock, and we have a lot of work to do today. It's a Monday, the 18th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2023, one week away from uh, the celebration of Christmas and the birth of our Savior. And uh, we, uh, again, we've got a lot of things to do between now and that celebratory time. Coming up on the program today in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday, and when his schedule allows, of course, which has been pretty much every Monday for the last nine or ten years. Uh, so we certainly appreciate him and the opportunity to talk to him, especially about the um, reauthorization of the surveillance bill or the surveillance apparatus that Republicans overwhelmingly supported, overwhelmingly, eight out of ten Ohio Republicans voted to approve an expansion or a reauthorization anyway, if not an expansion, of the FISA court's surveillance powers over regular American citizens like you and me. 
This is a huge, huge deal. We're going to hear from Cash Patel in just a couple of minutes here. He uh, made a great explanation yesterday on uh, Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo of exactly what this means and why it is so dangerous. But the Republicans who voted to reauthorize Section 702 through the 2024 calendar year, which allows election interference through the next election cycle, this is indefensible. Once again, we find ourselves in a situation where politically the Democrats have it figured out. They unite. They support one another. They have a common goal. Republicans splinter and continue to do things that are impossible to justify, quite frankly, to the voters, to the constituents that sent them to Washington, D.C., I don't know why. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what it is about Republicans. Again, I've said this kind of in the past. Maybe there's a positive element to it because being a slave to groupthink is certainly not something you want to do. We want to have independent ideas. We don't want to have a bunch of lemmings. I don't want to have a bunch of sheep following one another. But there has to be times when we coalesce around the things that matter. And, and we do so with unanimity. And it matters. The protection of the privacy of the American people. It matters. And Republicans just went right along, or a huge number of them went right along with the Democrats on this. It's incomprehensible. At least to me it is. I can't comprehend it. Maybe you can. I I don't know. But we're going to talk about that, among other things, with Jim Jordan coming up here in uh, in about uh, 25, 20 minutes or so. 25 minutes or so. Representative Gary Click will join us at the top of the next hour to talk about the J.R. Majewski-Craig Riedel feud over endorsements, over feelings about Donald Trump and what it's going to take for one of them to take down Marcy Kaptur in Ohio 9. That, of course, is not uh, you know germane to people on the eastern side of the listening area, but um, uh, the 9th District stretches far enough here into our area that we uh, we absolutely need to talk about it typically northwest ohio is where marcy captor you know that's where she uh, uh holds her offices and so forth but the districts do extend her district does extend out here so we're going to talk about that jr majewski uh lost to marcy captor two years ago and uh, by pretty big numbers and uh craig Riedel um is a uh, former uh state state representative who wants to go to Congress and uh, thinks he should be the nominee over J.R. Majewski to have a shot at Marcy Kaptur this time. We have to remove one of the most staunch left-wing Democrats, career politicians in in Marcy Kaptur that they have in Congress. So we're going to talk to Gary Click about that. He's got some strong thoughts and the views on that particular race. At 11.10 today, we're going to talk to Daniel Greenfield from FrontPageMag.com and more. And we're going to talk about the state of Israel, the state of the battle. You just heard uh, a really important uh, uh, information in the news there about how Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, is in Israel. And he is going to be trying to push the Israelis to wrap up their offensive, as they call it, uh, in Gaza rather than allow them to continue practicing their defensive exercises, which is what I call them. It is not an offensive. These are defensive exercises. But to wrap them up because of the concern about the growing number, according to Hamas and their propaganda minister, uh, number of uh, uh, civilian dead. And again, every civilian death in Gaza is a tragedy, but it is not the result or the fault of the Israelis. Their deaths and their blood is on the hands of Hamas. They could very, very easily end the uh, collateral damage that continues to happen by surrendering. Fully surrender to IDF forces, and guess what? IDF forces don't bomb anymore. 
then they can go down there with much more precision and go in and close down and uh, and cave in uh, terror tunnels and all the other things that allowed Hamas to exist to do what they have been doing. But they won't do that. They won't surrender, and so since they won't surrender, Israel has no choice but to continue their self-defensive exercises. So we're going to talk to Daniel Greenfield about that. We're also going to talk to him about a very interesting uh, college memo uh, informing students at at least one particular university that they are loved and they are welcomed as long as they're not white or Jewish. I'm not making that up. I'm going to share that story with you when we talk to a Daniel Greenfield this after or this morning at about 11:10. So after the 11 o'clock news. So there you have it. We've got Jim Jordan, we've got uh, Gary Click, and we've got Daniel Greenfield, and of course we have one another. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either number will get you to us. Before we start with our news of the day, let's do our pledge. Patriots, go ahead and stand and face your flag. Put your hand on your heart. If you are a Marxist and you don't believe in that flag, don't fake it. Just take a knee over there next to the other Marxists. For the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So how much do you think you know about the FISA court? How much do you think you want to know? Probably not a lot because it could get a little bit confusing, and I understand that. Uh, but if you want to know about your your security, your privacy, from government intervention into your life, from government interference and spying on you and your communications, you have no idea how important this is. Um, the reauthorization of Section 702 of the FISA uh, um, authority, if you will, to investigate and to collect metadata on every American citizen that they wish but particularly those that they target. It won't be on everybody, and it won't be uh, uh, just completely random. It's not going to be like, you know, when, they, when, the, when the IRS used to do uh, random audits of people. Sometimes they would just do lotteries, and your Social Security number came up, da 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 out of computer, boom, boom, do this one, do this one, do this one, do this one. This is not a random audit of your information. This is targeted, and it's targeted based upon who you are and what your politics are and what your activities are and where you go. It has been very specific to January Sixers or anybody who's believed to be a January Sixer because they happen to be in Washington, D.C. on on January 6th, whether they were at the Capitol or not. If you were in D.C. and they can track your voting and they can track your purchases to see, hmm, you shopped online at GOP.com and bought a red hat. All right. You did that and your January 6th, boom. Now we are going to investigate every aspect of your life. You think I'm making this up? Metadata is extraordinarily important, and it's extraordinarily dangerous. And people who don't know what was just done um, are going to be in for a rude awakening. We're going to talk to Jim Jordan about that first and foremost. But I want you to listen to Cash Patel now, if I can uh, play this real quick. because well, It's about two minutes. Cash Patel provides a very, very good explanation here of FISA. And why Republicans who reauthorized rather than reformed Section 702 
uh, why they have done such an extraordinary disservice to the American people, to innocent civilians, and even to the elections of 2024. This is important. Please listen. The biggest concern I have going forward is the politicization and weaponization and creation of a two-tier system of justice as a result. Back when Devin Nunes and I ran the Russiagate investigation and exposed the FISA corruption, we recommended a slew of fixes so it never happened again. Unfortunately, Congress chose to allow 702 FISA to basically be reauthorized. What does that mean? What is 702? It's fancy for foreign intelligence surveillance. It means me as a former national security prosecutor and intelligence operative would go overseas and manhunt terrorists. That's what it's for. But the FISA court in April of 2022 publicized an opinion that said the FBI used it illegally 275,000 times domestically against Americans. 16. 16- I want to hit that. I want to. I want to pause on each of these. I apologize. It's going to take a little longer when I do. But I need you to understand the scope of this. <clears throat> it's one thing for FISA and for the federal government writ large to use tracking services and tracking data and metadata collection to catch terrorists, to stop terrorism before it happens. Understood. Needs to be done. Nobody has a problem with that. But as you're about to hear the specifics, they go so much farther, so much beyond trying to as the, uh, expand the scope of what they can collect metadata on and on whom they can target. Listen. Domestically against Americans. 16 different occasions against those affiliated with January 6th. 19,000 times domestically against donors to a congressional campaign and wait for it, 24,000 separate times against Americans and groups in and around January 6th. That FISA process has been turned on its head redirected inwards and anyone who says oh that's just a republican conspiracy speak that's the fisa court that rescinded rod rosenstein's illegal surveillance of donald trump twice based on our investigation and now they do it again and they prove the fbi and doj have weaponized justice and the republican leadership in congress allowed it to be reauthorized essentially through the next election cycle so what will this mean in terms of the fbi christopher ray going into the next election well, that's just it. They, Christopher Ray goes to Congress and says, I fixed it all. We have more training. Well, unfortunately, when you have the police officers, the cops in this country break the law, we can't rely on themselves to police themselves. That is a communist form of a police uh, representation. What we have to have had done is Congress to put forth a bill that put in cops from Congress in the FISA process at the FISA court, limiting their abuse of this power. I mean, just think of it. If Chris Ray and Merrick Garland and company utilized the FISA process to manhunt terrorists that were illegally coming into our country through our southern border, we wouldn't lose two dozen of them based on their own testimony. And so what Chris Ray has now done is weakened American national security and redirected one of the most sensitive intelligence apparatuses against elections and those protesting their free speech right within America. And every time the FISA court asked the FBI, why did you allow your agents to do this? Their answer was, I could not recall. And they get them. They gave them a get out of jail free card. And the Republican majority, I know this is harsh, rewarded them for breaking the law and allowing this election interference to continue through 2024, mainly against Donald Trump. The ultimate irony of that, of course, what you just heard from Cash Patel is Christopher Ray is weakening America's national security and turning the apparatus in on the American people. Is that Christopher Ray is the hand-picked FBI director of Donald J. Trump? President Trump picked him. 
President Trump fired James Comey, which, of course, was appropriate and needed to be done. He had his choice in the entirety of the intelligence community of a new FBI director, and he chose the most corrupt, and I think he's more corrupt than Comey was, a person that he possibly could have chosen in Christopher Wray and the entire DOJ, uh, the FBI, but writ large uh, under the DOJ auspices when Merrick Garland is now the uh, attorney general, um, the, the most corrupt DOJ in, in the history of the country. And we are paying a very, very heavy price for that. This is something that can not, should not, must not, will not be forgotten. This is one of the things that if Donald Trump is to become president again, I need to know directly from him what he's going to do differently uh, about the horrific choices he made to staff some of the most important positions in government because he was awful at it. Awful, awful, awful. Look at the number of them who had to be replaced, the number of them who had to be fired, the number of them who uh, whose replacements then were fired. I mean, just an absolute disastrous choice to have Christopher Ray in charge of our of our FBI. And what he is doing right now, we are all, and I don't care if you're a Trump voter, although, like I said, they are targeting Trump voters, strangely, or coincidentally, or ironically. But guess a better way to say that. They're targeting Trump voters, but this affects all of us, whether you're a Trump voter or a Biden voter or you were a Hillary voter or anybody else. We are all paying the price by Christopher Wray being in charge of the FBI and weaponizing that law enforcement agency against us, against we, the people. And you just heard some of the numbers as to how. And, and what justification do they give? Well, we don't know why we allowed our agents to break do that. the law. We can't rely on themselves to police themselves. That is a communist form of a police uh, representation. Communist form of police representation. Spot on. That's what we are living under right now with, with Garland in, uh, in the AG's office and Christopher Ray in the FBI. What we have to have had done is Congress to put forth a bill that put in cops from Congress in the FISA process at the FISA court, limiting their abuse of this power. I mean, but they didn't. That's what reform would have looked like. But your Republican elected officials, eight out of ten Ohio Republicans in Congress, Eight out of ten voted to reauthorize FISA to do this, not reform FISA. I mean, just think of it. If Chris Ray and Merrick Garland and company utilized the FISA process to manhunt terrorists that were illegally coming into our country through our southern border, we wouldn't lose two dozen of them based on their own testimony. And so what Chris Ray has now done is re- weaken American national security and redirected one of the most sensitive intelligence apparatuses against elections and those protesting their free speech right within America. And every time the FISA court asked the FBI, why did you allow your agents to do this? Their answer was, I could not recall. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know. And that's what they got away with. It's no better than Hunter Biden just completely flipping the bird to James Comer and Jim Jordan and not testifying uh, it, when, he was, uh, when he was subpoenaed to do so in a deposition. And then holding a press conference across the way, uh, flipping them the bird literally publicly. In, in all seriousness, that's exactly what it's like. And they get them, they gave them a get out of jail free card, and the Republican majority, I know this is harsh, rewarded them for breaking the law and allowing this election interference to continue through 2024, mainly against Donald Trump. Rewarded them for breaking the law. Wow. This is, uh, this is an enormous, 
issue, my friends. And we're going to talk about it with Jim Jordan coming up after the bottom of the hour. 216-901-0945 is the number for you to join us. 888-281-1110. It's early. There's a lot of stuff on a Monday to get through. We have a lot to uh, share with you. So stay here. But when the time is right for you. Lightning the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, it's 935. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer, we got Congressman Jim Jordan coming up very shortly, and uh, we're going to talk to him about the FISA court situation and uh, a whole lot more. But this is a big deal. This 800, did you know the, dump, the, the dollar figure? $886 billion defense policy bill. Very important, obviously. This, this had to get passed in terms of funding the, uh, you know, the Department of Defense. That's fine. It did not have to include... Section 702 that allows uh, the government to continue to spy on and collect data without warrants of any kind whatsoever on uh, the American people. At a time of huge, huge trouble uh, with respect to the government targeting particularly conservatives and, and using you know the, 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 the FBI and the Department of Justice as a whole against the American people at a time like this, for us to just reauthorize, to reauthorize the FISA court to do this is incomprehensible. And why eight out of ten Ohio Republicans in the Congress would have voted to support that um, is 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 beyond the scope of my comprehension. I'm told Congressman Jordan is on the line now, so let's welcome the uh, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, member of the Oversight Committee, also chairman of the Weaponization Subcommittee, which is kind of important here. Uh, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, Congressman, good good uh, morning, good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. Uh, hope you had a great weekend and Merry Christmas a week early, but I uh, hope you're doing fine. And thank you very much. Yeah, this will be the last time we talk before Christmas, so Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. So, Congressman, uh, this is not a good Christmas present for me. Uh, $886 billion defense authorization uh, uh, bill um, that includes not a re- reformation of the FISA court uh, powers, but a reauthorization of them so that they can essentially, yeah. they can essentially spy on anybody and everybody, collect metadata based on, 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 you know, whatever their reasons that they want to use are, whatever their, their means are. They can basically say, this isn't, you know, it's supposed to be about trying to spot terrorists and stop terrorists and to identify uh, you know, these things before they happen. But collecting metadata on American citizens might be done based on how they vote, what their activities are, where they travel. They can collect all of this without warrants because uh, of the way that this is worded. Why did the Republican Party join the Democrats in continuing to violate Americans' privacy rights? Well, because it was a national defense authorization bill, and, and you know, uh, one of the mm-hmm. things we're supposed to do in, in government is actually um, you know, de- defend the countries, particularly the federal government is, it's our primary task. And so, um, this, this authorizes how we're going to spend money and, um, you know, what weapon systems and pay, pay raises for the troops and those kind of things. So <clears throat> that's the reason I think you see, you saw so many people vote for it. Of course, why you saw so many of us vote against it, um, which is what I did, what Congressman Davidson did and others around the, the country did is because I think you were the only two in Ohio, though, right? You, you and Davidson yeah, we were, were the only two Republicans who opposed this. Yeah, we we're concerned about what what you were describing there as you were introducing this. Is is you know I always say this: there are two hundred seventy eight thousand reasons why uh, you shouldn't reauthorize FISA in its current form, and that's that's not Jim Jordan's number. That that's the number the Inspector General said was the number of times they illegally, the FBI illegally, didn't follow their own rules 
and, and queried the database that we're trying to reform and change how this thing operates. So um, that, to me, was the, sort of the primary reason I did it and why we have a bill that we think actually is, is the kind of reform legislation you need because it says if you're going to use Bob France as an example, you're going to use mm-hmm. your phone number or your email address, and you're going to use that as the identifier when you query this big database that the FBI has, we think you should go to a court and get a warrant. After all, Bob France is a United States citizen. So mm-hmm. that's how it's supposed to work. Right now it doesn't. If they picked up information, your phone number, your email address, because for some reason, you're, let's say you're an international business and you're doing business overseas and they, they're, 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 they're looking at foreigners, they can't query the database on your information, on your, on your identifiers. That's what we want to change. And that's what we're that's the, that's the sticking point right now. The difference between our bill and the bill that's come out of the Intel Committee. So this is um, this is passed. This is going to go to the president, which is going to be signed. And uh, this eight hundred eighty six billion dollar uh, monstrosity is going to pass. And again, I'm not I don't have a concern with the nearly trillion dollars because you're right. We have to fund the defense of the country. We have to fund the Defense Department. Yep. I get that. But because this is included in it, um, I'm very concerned about what it's going to be, not just for the people uh, that are targeted by this, but I'm also concerned about what this is going to mean for elections. So I want to play a clip for you, if I, if I can, from uh, yesterday. You may have seen it because you appear on Maria Bartiromo a lot, but Cash Patel yesterday spoke specifically about what this could mean uh, to elections and election integrity in 2024. Well, unfortunately, when you have the police officers, the cops in this country break the law, we can't rely on themselves to police themselves. That is a communist form of a police uh, representation. What we have to have had done is Congress to put forth a bill that put in cops from Congress in the FISA process at the FISA court, limiting their abuse of this power. I mean, just think of it. If Chris Ray and Merrick Garland and company utilized the FISA process to manhunt terrorists that were illegally coming into our country through our southern border, we wouldn't lose two dozen of them based on their own testimony. And so so what Chris Ray has now done is re- weaken American national security and redirected one of the most sensitive intelligence apparatuses against elections and those protesting their free speech right within America. And every time the FISA court asked the FBI, why did you allow your agents to do this? Their answer was, I could not recall. And they get them, they gave them a get out of jail free card and the Republican majority, I know this is harsh, rewarded them for breaking the law and allowing this election interference to continue through 2024, mainly against Donald Trump. Congressman, you can speak to any of that uh, and respond to it, but specifically to election interference. Well, well, a couple things. One, the, the reform bill that we have that has not passed yet, the, the, the bill that we got out of our Judiciary Committee, on, on, on a bipartisan basis, because there are some Democrats, uh, lots of Democrats, who actually are, are nervous about this invasion of our, of our privacy as well. The bill we, we passed out did have Congress getting the reports, getting the data. It, it enabled it enabled the chairman of the committee, the ranking member of the committee, to actually sit in on FISA court proceedings. You had more detailed audits coming out. So we, we were putting Congress back in charge of like looking at what's actually going on in the FISA process and in the FISA court. But we got to get that bill passed. That, that, that's the problem. It didn't pass. It was, we, we had this extension of, of, of the current thing. And we will say that, that some of those abuses that I talked about in that number, that 278,000, were queries they did on January 6th, people, people who showed up at the protest showed up at the rally, uh, queries they did on those folks, and they also did queries on people who were in the summer of 22 part of Black Lives Matter. So it, was, it went both ways. It was going after people on the conservative side, people on the liberal side. Um, that Those are problems. That's why we need the reform legislation 
that we put together. We spent the whole Congress working on this. We set up a bipartisan, or excuse me, a, 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 a by committee, two committees, a working group. We worked with Democrats on this to come up with the bill that came out of our committee. Thirty-five to two came out of the Judiciary Committee. You know the Judiciary Committee, Bob. We hardly ever have a bill where it's that bipartisan. But when it came to protecting people's privacy and their rights. We actually got together, had that warrant requirement I talked about earlier, and some of the things I talked about for the safeguards for Congress to look at what the FISA court's doing. We just need to pass that legislation. Extraordinarily important stuff, uh, Congressman Jordan. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the J6 part of this, too, because they have used this to target people who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, even people who had nothing yep. to do with any of the rioting or the protesting that went on. And this, of course, is part of the problem. Last week I spoke with uh, a January 6th defendant who is in prison. He's being held now for over 1,000 days without a trial. He has had three different trial dates, and each time it comes up, they push it back, and they say it's been postponed. So he has not had a trial. His constitutional rights are being violated, and I want to, his name is Ryan, uh, or excuse me, is uh, Jake Lang, and I would like to know um, what, what can be done for him. And there's a couple of hundred other people just like him. You and I have talked about this in the past, and I know there are investigations going on and things like that, but I'm just I'm sitting here just watching yeah. a person's rights be violated, a right to a speedy trial, right to yeah, counsel, and trial. all of these yeah. things, and, and, and not to mention the horrific conditions in which these people are being kept, 20 to 23-hour day of, uh, of uh, isolation, uh, yeah. you know, so, which is just incomprehensible. But, Congressman, all I can do whenever I talk to somebody like Jake, Jake uh, yeah. Lang, who was in prison, by the way, spoke to me on a prison phone for 15 minutes that he was allowed. He used it on this radio program, and I say to him, yeah. all I can do is bring it up with our members of Congress. So that's what, that's yep. what I'm doing. No, and we and we appreciate what you're doing, and we continue to try to do everything we can to help not only this individual but others. Um, I've, I've, I've had numerous conversations working with with Barry Loudermilk, who's the key guy on the um, on the House Administration Committee. In fact, we just did a letter related topic, not directly to this this issue, but related where um, we we inquired. We, we saw where two years ago, Fonnie Willis had had written the January 6th committee, Benny Thompson. And said, give me all the information on these. And she wanted all the information that might relate to her thing. So this is how persistent she has been in going after people, um, you know, the 19 people that she's prosecuted or, excuse me, indicted there in, in, in Atlanta. So we continue to, 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 to look at every possible angle to figure out what's going on here and how we can help. And we'll, we'll just keep doing that. But there, the, the, the Congressman is the key individual. He's the, the guy on the House Administration Committee that has primary jurisdiction over this. And we continue to uh, keep in touch with him on ways that we can be helpful. Um, let's talk about the, the impeachment inquiry. It did pass. We spoke, you were It was right before the vote when we spoke uh, this past week. And yeah. uh, it did pass, and that's a good thing. Tell us what it means. Uh, some are suggesting that this means you already know you have the evidence to impeach. And I keep trying to explain to people, no, this just broadens your investigative power so you can collect that evidence. Is that right? Yeah, it's the latter, uh, although I will say I think we have what we have now is pretty compelling, and we've talked about that numerous times. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from last week was that every single Republican voted for it, and all the mainstream press was saying, oh, they can't get the Republicans, they're not going to do it. Every single Republican in the House of Representatives voted to say we should, we should go to this formal phase of, of, of our oversight work, an impeachment inquiry phase, and we did that. And on that very same day, you had uh, one of the key people we need to talk to come to Congress and, and basically – dumb his nose at us and say, no, we're, we're, we're not, I'm not going to come. I'm going to come to Congress. I'm going to sit on the Senate side, outside, and do a press conference, and I'm not going to sit for a deposition. Which, um, and, I, and I thought, by the way, the, the key line in his press conference, in Hunter Biden's press conference, when, when he said, my father has not been financially involved, 
because that qualifier, that word, is, is a key change from what we've heard down for three years because we yeah. initially heard Joe Biden said, I had no involvement. Then it went to, well, he showed up at dinners and phone calls and, and, and had phone calls and a meeting, but uh, he, he, uh, uh, they were only talking about you know, pleasantries. They were only talking about the weather. And now we say we hear Hunter Biden on the day he's not showing up for questions say, oh, uh, he he was he wasn't financially involved. What a change they have made over time in in, in Joe Biden's involvement in this business. Um, I thought those are the two big takeaways. Every Republican voted for it. And what uh, and what Hunter Biden said about his dad, his father's involvement in the business. Right um, after um, he refused to come in and sit, that's when you and I spoke. Um, I didn't even realize he was out there doing his grandstand press conference at that time. Um, I'm, I'm, I've read now since then, Congressman Hunter uh, got some assistance from Eric Swalwell, and there are some calls in some legal circles, including Jonathan Turley, and uh, I think Andy Biggs talked about this too, for Eric Swalwell to be held in contempt for helping him uh, uh, host a press conference there when he should have been honoring the uh, the, the lawful subpoena that he he was issued. Can you speak to that, to the fact that Hunter Biden went out well, there and held this press conference and had help from a sitting member of Congress? Yeah, it seems strange that a member of Congress would do that. But um, look, I, I think our focus is going to be on, on Hunter Biden. And, and I do think you will see us uh, move forward with contempt proceedings uh, in, in, in the committee and then um, and then, of course, on the House floor. Um, I think I think we that that's something we we should do. Uh, I read Charlie's piece, and um, you know I'm, I'm sure there are, there are colleagues who will who will examine that. But I think the focus should be on we need Hunter Biden in to talk to us, and we have also the reason I think this impeachment inquiry was so important to have this vote is and we've talked about this. We need his business partners. Now we think they're coming as we talk with their lawyers. They're coming. We think in early January, uh, but we think you know Rob Walker, Eric Swearen, Jim Biden, uh, Kevin Morris, the guy who paid his taxes. We think all those individuals need to come in. And that's the kind of uh, folks we need to talk to. I, I, I read through over the weekend, I went back and read through Devin Archer's uh, deposition just to refresh my memory on that as we get ready for these things in January. And we learned so much from Devin Archer. That's where we learned about the brand that they were selling, the brand mm-hmm. of Joe Biden and, and a host of things. So uh, those are the people we need to talk to. I do think we'll move forward with contempt proceedings on, on Hunter Biden, though. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, member of the Oversight Committee. I want to pivot to the border. Border security concessions are being offered of some sort by the Biden administration uh, in exchange for you know passing the what sixty or a hundred billion dollars uh, for the combination of Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwanese aid. Now, um, I read a story today saying it's unlikely that this agreement will be reached before the end of the year. It might be into January. Where are we on that, and where are you on that? Well, I've been clear. I voted against, uh, I think, almost all the Ukraine funding uh, over the last year. Um, first of all, no, the, the commander in chief doesn't seem to be able to tell us what the goal is, what the objective ultimately is. And, um, and, and frankly, I don't know that we have the kind of accountability measures in place, the inspector general that we need over there to, to, to see how and is the money, is the American tax dollars being spent in the way it should be. So I think there's, there's general concerns. Um, and, and I don't think you're going to see folks like me or a bunch of other members of the House uh, vote for funding for Ukraine unless it true unless there's true border security and and reform on our immigration law so that we get to the border like we had under President Trump. I just think anything short of that, and frankly, what we point to is the bill we passed because the bill we passed HR two actually accomplished what I just described about getting our border back to where it was secure. So. Um, yeah, they've pushed it off. It sounds like um, January is going to be a busy time with you know funding bills coming due, this bill, 
um, the FISA issue as well. So we'll, we'll and of course the impeachment inquiry. So we'll we'll see. But I don't think it's going to pass between now and next week. Um, and then we'll see what happens in there. But I think you're going to see conservatives say unless it's re- real border security, real immigration enforcement, like we had in HR two, we're not voting for it. We want to help Israel, but uh, when it comes to Ukraine, it's got to be connected to that, and it's got to be real, or it's just not going to fly in the house. I don't believe. If if it is real, you know, if if the new authority to expel without asylum screenings is is included, and if it is exactly what you just talked about, would it be enough to to sway you to go ahead and vote and give that give that aid? And I would consider, but I have to see it because again, what 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 uh, the Senate says is real is not typically what the American people and, and House conservatives say is real. So I got to see it, and it's got to be. It's it's got to go back to the things that we know work, which is you remain in Mexico while we value it evaluate your claim we should continue to build the wall um and we should say that if if in fact you get through as an illegal migrant we are not releasing you and we're going to detain you and and those are the three changes that were made on january 20th 2021 joe biden said no more remain in mexico we're not going to detain people we're going to release them and we're going to stop building the wall and that sent a message to the entire world and that's why you got hundreds of people Hundreds of different countries, thousands and millions of people coming in from hundreds of different uh, countries because of those three changes. We got to we got to put those back in place. If those are back in place, then it, then it's probably a trade that you can you could consider. But short of that, I just don't see I just don't see conservatives uh, like myself voting for it. Yeah, I'm just blown away by the uh, backwards nature of uh, of what Joe Biden sees here. He says that you guys are holding Ukraine funding hostage in order to form this uh, to force through this extreme, you know, a border agenda, and it's the exact opposite. He is holding the border hostage uh, just to make yep. sure he gets his money for Volodymyr Zelensky. And it's it, what are you yep. president of? The United States of Ukraine? It, it's yeah. it's insane. No, very true. Very last, true. Last and, question and for you, Congress. I, I, I hope they do. I hope they do. Uh, we'll find out next November. Uh, last question for you. The calls for Israel ceasefire growing now, um, particularly after an accident, uh, a sad situation, which three Israelis were killed by IDF who did not understand who they were. Um, Lloyd Austin is over there now, apparently trying to convince them to wrap this thing up, to uh, to let, let's put the put a bow on this. You got your little vengeance and so forth, and now let's let it be. And I know it's not going to be as simple as that, but that's pretty much what the message is, because Joe Biden is getting crushed by the pro-Palestinian wing of his party, and uh, and the and the polls show that. What should U.S. policy be now going forward here? Should we support Israel continuing to root out Hamas in in Gaza or not? Yes. Of course we should support Israel continuing to deal with terrorists and kill the terrorists who, who, who came across their border and attacked their citizens, their people. I mean, of course we should support uh, Israel. And this idea, the idea that we're going to say you gotta, you gotta, you gotta wind this up is just, it's just wrong. So, um, I think, I think Republicans understand that. I think the country understands that. Um, uh, certainly Prime Minister Netanyahu understands it. And so does his government. But, um, Unfortunately, the Biden administration, the left wing of their party, doesn't. But um, I think we got to, and you will see members of Congress, like myself and others, stand up and, and say Israel has every right to defend themselves and to finish this thing the way they need to, so that it doesn't happen again. That's the whole point. They want to, they want to try to prevent this from happening again. Um, so yeah, we need to support Israel. 
Well, you know, I, I you you kind of answered my question before I asked. I'm glad you did. I want to know are you or anybody else going to talk to the administration and tell them, look, you cannot do this. I know you are not in the position to make the final call here, but I hope that Republicans are going to make their voices heard and say, you realize if you make them or tell them we won't support you and they pull out without ending Hamas, Hamas is coming back to do it again and again and again, which they have promised. The the administration well, yeah. may not care. You do. So I hope there's a conversation there. And this. And this is why it's all related, because uh, what is it, 170 some different uh, illegal migrants have come across the border who were on the terrorist watch list. And those are just the ones that we we, we know about. So, like, the, the, you got to be we got to be careful about this is about protecting our best ally, the state of Israel, but also protecting this country. It all connects, which unfortunately seems like the Biden administration doesn't doesn't fully understand. Well, since you brought up terrorists crossing the border, you're right, who are on the watch list. I guess I could ask you about 10 IEDs found at the border on the Mexican yeah, side sure. of the border. I'm sorry, but I hear terrorists and IEDs together. I got a major, major concern. I know you do too. Yep. No, this is, this is why, you know, you have to have a border for goodness sake. And, and this is probably, I think, one of the biggest reasons why Joe Biden's approval rating is, is in the 30s. Because the country knows you're supposed to have a border, and we had one under President Trump. We don't have one under Joe Biden. And frankly, you can go to every other issue. We always talk about we had stable prices under President Trump. We got record inflation under this guy. We had safer streets under President Trump. We got record levels of crime in every major urban area. You can just keep going. So I think that, but this issue about the border is a huge issue, uh, and it's a huge reason, I should say, why, why Biden's numbers are where they're at. Amen to that. Congressman Jim Jordan, again, this is our last chat before Christmas, so I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for what you do uh, uh, each and every week whenever we get an opportunity to talk, and I look forward to talking to you you again uh, after the holiday. All right. Merry Christmas. Thank you, sir. That's uh, Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take our time out here for the top of the hour. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Ohio politics with... uh, State Representative Gary Click, Ohio 88, he's got some thoughts on the fight to oust Marcy Kaptur from Congress. J.R. Majewski uh, ran against her two years ago and lost. Uh, he's coming back for another bite at this, but he's being primaried, or in a primary fight, I should say, with uh, former State Representative Craig Riedel. And uh, there's some bad blood brewing there, really bad blood if you look at Twitter. Some really, really ugly stuff between the two. Uh, Representative Gary Click has some very important thoughts on that, too. So we're going to talk to him. By the way, J.R. Majewski is coming on tomorrow, and we are efforting uh, uh, the... uh, uh, We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Okay, six minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway on this Monday. It's the 18th morning of the 12th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks again to uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. We covered the gamut there, boy. Uh, Sometimes he's on a tighter schedule. Sometimes he's got time. And when he's got time, he gives it to us. And I really appreciate that. We had him on for about 25 minutes, I think, there. And he answered everything. And I really, really hope, and I will continue to stay in touch, by the way, that he continues to advocate for and fight for, in whatever capacity it's possible, the January Sixers who are being treated uh, in, you know, such a, such an, egregiously violative way when it comes to their 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 uh, constitutional rights 
being held for over a thousand days without trial, without access to uh, unfettered access anyway to their lawyers, um, uh, being kept in solitary confinement and isolation. All of the different things that we learned when we spoke with Jake Lang, who's a J6 defendant uh, last week. We spoke to him from his Washington, D.C. gulag. And um, it was it was infuriating is what it is. It's sad, it's depressing, but it's infuriating because our elected officials should be doing something about this. Now, we know that the uh, branches of government are all equal, but they are separate, and the legislature cannot go in and tell the judicial how to do judiciary how to do their jobs, but there does have to be somebody advocating for the constitutional rights of defendants who are not being given that speedy trial to which they are entitled. And uh, this has just got to stop. It just absolutely has to stop. Because you know what? Here's the reality. If he had been given a trial the day after, somebody like Jake Long, if he, uh, Jake Lang, Lang, if he had been given a, a trial the day after January 6th and then been convicted and then sentenced, he probably wouldn't have gotten a 1,000 days for what they're accusing him of. In all reality, most of these people wouldn't have gotten anywhere near what they've just been held, you know, what they've already been held for. Um, it's it's incomprehensible, but that's where we sit. Okay, let's pivot now to Ohio politics. Uh, Marcy Kaptur's been in Congress for about as long or longer than I've been in talk radio, and I'm going on 25, 26 years now. She is a career politician. She is one of the most stalwart left-wing voters uh, that the Democrats have. Uh, she can always be counted on to do the wrong thing, and yet she owns District 9. Last year, uh, J.R. Majewski, Republican, won the primary uh, over a couple of, uh, of, of state representatives and uh, uh, we had the right to face Marcy Kaptur and got lapped uh, something like 14 or 15 points or something like that. It wasn't good, but he's back for another bite at that apple. And he's being challenged this time in a primary by Craig Riedel, who's a former four-time state representative, Ohio state representative. He wants that uh, right to face Marcy Kaptur. Well, the blood between these two guys is getting very, very bad, especially after uh, some comments from Craig Riedel went public in which he talked about not needing Donald Trump's endorsement, not wanting Donald Trump's endorsement, and not particularly liking Donald Trump very much. Uh, we brought this up in passing almost to Gary Click, state representative who joined us last week to talk about his successful SAFE Act passing through the General Assembly. And I said, let's follow up on that when we have more time. So welcome to that time. Representative Gary Click, Ohio 88, good to have you back. How are you, sir? It's always a thrill to be on with you, Bob. Thank you. First of all, um, a few more days have passed since we spoke and still no signature from Mike DeWine on the SAFE Act. What do you think is going to happen? Well, so I will tell you, I think the governor is going to sign it. You know, there's no guarantee. I have no promises of that. Um, But I know the governor has been a champion for children for a long time. When you look at the facts, and and I totally believe that he is, I mean, he is voting himself this week to looking at the facts, the pros and the cons. He's asking all the right questions. Uh, And so I, I think that you have to really there's only one common sense solution to this children deserve to grow up intact bob you and i both know that the governor knows that uh girls deserve privacy in their locker rooms they deserve not to lose their scholarships and their championships to a boy everyone knows that the governor knows that And, and so i just really believe that this is so basic and so common sense that the governor is going to come down on our side on this and uh there listen i understand there are some tear-jerking stories from the other side 
but but I think the truth comes down on our side. I think the governor's going to going to come to that same conclusion. He's a reasonable person, you know. Some I know that sometimes you know some conservatives may not like some of his positions, but I think he's going to come down on the right side of this. Well, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope, um, which is I really feel like all we can do because we've relied on common sense positions. Uh, uh, from for government or Governor DeWine before, and he locked our state down, and he closed our schools, and he gave away millions of our dollars in stupid vax lotteries, and and all kinds of other horrific things. Common sense isn't something that I usually use when I describe Governor DeWine, so I'm hopeful that uh, <laughs> I, that 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 the the Safe Act will get his signature in spite of that lack of common sense, rather than because of it. Um, I mean, I understand. He, you know, nobody nobody likes to be overridden, right? I mean, nobody likes to. Uh, no. no, no executive well, wants to wants to put a veto stamp on something and then have the legislature come right back over the top of him and say, "We said well, yes" by such an overwhelming number. I hope he fears that and just gets this thing over. Right, and the truth is, is is this has been a very deliberative process. You know, the legislature didn't say yes right away. You know, this is the second GA we've been covering this in. And uh, we went through a lot of committee process. We went through a lot of negotiations. Uh, and even this time, I conceded some things, some things that were easy to concede, some things uh, you know, that were a little more difficult to concede. And, uh, but, but it was, you know, if you get, you know, 80%, 90% of what you're asking for, you can live with it. And uh, that's kind of where we ended up. So yep. uh, I think he has to respect the process. And uh, the the work that's gone into this, and it's it's been more than a week, and it's been a couple of years that I've done my research into this. I've done a lot of work, as have many others. You know, Susan Manchester was the chairman in first DA, and she was terrific, and she made sure that it was a deliberate, deliberative process. You know, Scott Lips did a lot of good work this year as well as the chairman. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christina Rogner was fantastic over in the Senate. There were just a lot of people who put a lot of work into this and have heard all sides, pros and cons, and so that process should be respected. And again, I you know I know there's a lot of people who may be skeptical. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic that the governor will do the right thing. Well, I'm going to be uh, cautiously optimistic right alongside you there. Uh, we're talking with State Representative Gary Click this morning, and uh, we're just just a passage of his SAFE Act. wanted to follow up on that. Uh, the governor's got 10 days from the time it passed to either sign it or veto it, and uh, and uh, we're hopeful, hopeful that he will indeed sign it. So now let's get back to the introduction of my uh, of your spot here. Uh, this you and I mentioned just kind of in passing last week when we talked about the Safe Act, the uh, J.R. Majewski and uh, Craig Riedel race in the primary to uh, take on Marcy Captor, and um, a, a video slash I guess it's an audio tape uh, had surfaced uh, last week of Craig Riedel saying some negative things about Donald Trump. J.R. Majewski has jumped all over that uh, as uh, calling uh, Riedel a phony and saying that he didn't want um, uh, uh, Donald Trump's endorsement, uh, and uh, he said he had asked for it before. So you had some strong statements that were anti-J.R. Majewski there. Can you tell us more about how you feel about this? Well, sure, sure. And, and just for the record, uh, Jay and I have chatted this week also. Uh, okay. The reality is, you know, and, and it's not that I dislike Jr. You know, I've had some conversations with him in the past, but I don't like dirty politics. I'm just going to be straight with you, Bob. He, yeah. you know, and that was dirty. This Alan Jacoby guy that put that out, got that somehow to Charlie Kirk, is a pervert. All you got to do is look at some of the stuff he's put on my, on my uh, social media, and you can see the guy's a pervert. 
And he's the one that fed that to him. And I think it's a total mischaracterization of Craig Riedel. I've been with Craig Riedel. I've heard Craig Riedel say positive things about Trump one-on-one, just him and I, as well as, you know, speaking in the public. What he asked, he was leading Craig in the things that he said. And quite honestly, the things that Craig said on tape in that supposedly private call, I, I just disrespect people who do a private call and then put it out publicly. The things that Craig said are no different than many Trump supporters have said since day one. We all know that Trump has a huge, huge ego. That doesn't keep people from supporting him. So you might use the word arrogant, whatever. That doesn't mean that people don't support Trump when they believe that. Is Craig looking for his endorsement? Craig, he could ask the same thing with DeSantis. Are you looking for a DeSantis endorsement? Are you looking for Nikki Haley's endorsement? The answer to every question would have been no. Now, now Bob, you know this. Right now, the people who are posting pictures of themselves with Donald Trump are the people in troubled primaries. Uh, it's not that people, we don't support Donald Trump, but it's kind of a sign of weakness right now in, in Ohio because it's a lot of the blue 22. I don't want to really get into that whole deal right now. I've been able to work with many of them this year. But the reality is, is those ones who are challenged are the ones who are doing that because they're, they might have a problem winning on the record. The, and when you do that, that says you don't have a record. Uh, Craig has a terrific record. He has won campaigns. He has won before. And quite honestly, J.R. is the one who has to have Trump. J.R. cannot win without Donald Trump. That's why J.R. is traveling the whole country trying to go get Alan Gates and you know all these other people from all across the country showing up all these events and, and so forth to try to get Donald Trump to endorse him. And Craig Riedel's running on his record. The only record J.R. has is taking a couple cans of spray paint to his yard and losing to Marcy Kefter. That's not a great record. He lost by 13 so let me, points. Let, let me interrupt for a little bit here because that's a, lot, that's a lot of stuff. I wanted to give you as much free reign yeah. there as I could, but in the interest of time, let me follow up with a couple of things. Sure. You said you spoke with, uh, with uh, J.R. Majewski this week or this past week. Yes. W- what did you guys talk about? Well, it was just texting, you know, and and so in all fairness, you know, Jr. is you know he said some harsh things about me, some inappropriate things uh, about me, and and I've been hard on him, and uh, he was accusing me of lying about something. I confronted him about it on a text. It ended up being a pretty good conversation, just to be honest. And, and Jr. said, "Hey, I was mistaken. I'm going to apologize right now online." And I said, "Apology accepted." And we're going. On. He said, "He said I know you're coming after me because you think I was part of that, and that's true. Uh, I thought he was a part of that mischaracterization of Craig." Otherwise, well, well, let me, Representative Click, let me, let me, let me hit that part because you, you've said that twice now, and I wasn't sure if I was gonna, gonna say this, but, but in what way was he misrepresented when, when, I mean, he said what he said, and it is, it is on audio, whether he was led into discussing his opinion on Donald Trump by the host, Alan, uh, um, uh, Jacoby, or not, I mean, his answer was his own. So, so in what way was he? What did he say that was wrong? Well, well, here let's. Uh, you know what? It's a minute long, so let's let's spend that. Let's for those who didn't hear, let's let me play it real quick, and then and then we'll talk more about it here. You're not looking yep. for a Trump endorsement, are you? I'm not. I am not. We are not. Nope. And you're making it a point that you that you do not want Trump's endorsement. Yep. Yep. When the time comes publicly, and if it does come, that you're put on the spot about your support for Trump, what are you going to tell people? Like, just straight dope. What are you going to do? 
and I get asked this often, and my answer is, is the same every time, and I, I've hit on it already, that, look, Donald Trump, he's, he's a different person than me. I, I don't like the way he communicates. I think he is arrogant. I, I don't like the way he calls people names. I just don't think that's very becoming of, of a president. So it's safe to say so, that you're not looking to support the guy's primary run. I'm with you. We okay. we gotta we need to go a different direction. Um, we need people like uh, you know people like Craig Riedel, people like Craig Riedel. What do you think of Ron DeSantis? Love our, I like Ron. Yeah. I, think, I like Ron. I, I like his. He, he seems you know I, I can't understand why he's not gaining more traction. That's Taking a beating, man. Taking a beating. Okay. So you said he was misrepresented. You heard what he said. I don't like Trump. I don't like how he communicates. He's unbecoming of a president. Are you going to support him in the primary? No, I'm not. Uh, so then five minutes later, after this went public, he issued a public endorsement of Donald Trump, which is kind of hard to understand or hard to justify. How do you explain that? Well, you know, I, I'm not Craig's advisor, but Craig's a friend of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I probably would not have, you know, issued that you know, right away. I, maybe ultimately have issued that, but uh, did but he know this was going to put him in big trouble? Did he know that this was going to put him in big trouble with voters in Ohio who love Trump? Remember, Trump won Ohio by eight points twice, and he says, "I don't like him." Uh, this went public, and suddenly he said, "Oh, I love him." Uh, here's he has my full and total endorsement. Man, that's that's yeah, a tough, that's I, I a tough thing. You know, I, I, maybe I wasn't listening closely. I didn't kind of say it. I like. I don't think he likes his style. And there's a lot of people that vote for Trump that don't like his style. There's a lot of people who support Trump. I've heard his best supporters say, "Well, I wish he wouldn't say that. I wish he wouldn't." Some of his best. Supporters I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I've said that. No, like that. listen, Representative Click. I'm one that of them. That doesn't I'm... make you disloyal. <laughs> I voted for Donald Trump twice, and I will support him to the ends of the earth if he becomes our nominee. But I don't like his style Absolutely. either. But then again, I'm right. not looking right. for an endorsement. And, and when you say you don't like the way, you know, his style, and then you literally say, so you're not going to support him in the primary, he said, I'm with you. That's right. We need a change. Well, That's I, saying I'm not going to support him. And then he went ahead and issued yeah, the endorsement. I, I so would, Craig, Craig kind of set himself up that. there, didn't Everywhere he? he's been, I've I've been with Craig in private events where he <laughs> brags about the president, where he talks to, I mean, not in a crowd. Just with mm-hmm. some folks that, yeah, you know, he's got the best policies. And he said that also. He says he's got the best policy. And and, so, and and by the way, who doesn't like Ron DeSantis? That doesn't mean you're going to vote for him. You know, right now we kind of got this choice of who's running in a primary. But Ron DeSantis has been one of the best governors in our state. And and in now all of you have to yeah. hate him because he's competing with Donald Trump. You know, I don't listen. I don't believe in loyalty tests. I, I believe in supporting candidates. But I don't, you know, loyalty tests are for communists and for Marxists to say, okay, if you're not supporting this guy, you can't be elected. You're no good. Listen, that's the thing I hate about primaries. I'll just be honest with you: is it's good people fighting against good people. Ron DeSantis yeah. is a good governor. Nikki yes, Haley is a good person. Vivek's good. Donald Trump is good. They're, listen, any one of those would. Do, <laughs> everyone on our stage would do better than than joe biden why do we have to beat people up to to promote ourselves that's just not my style i haven't done that in my campaign i don't like it when it has to come down to that i think i say just tell people who you are what you stand for and why they should vote for you and if you can do that and show the differences in policy but loyalty oaths are not who we are bob i don't believe in that i don't stand for that 
and I think that's being misused in this primary. I don't disagree with one word of that. I totally agree. I don't think you should have to have a loyalty test, and I don't think that you should have to bend the knee to somebody else because that other somebody is popular and did a great job, by the way, when he was president. And I agree with you, Ron DeSantis is a phenomenal governor, probably the best in America, Uh, and I like all of those things. But again, if we're trying to figure out in this primary fight between Majewski and Riedel who's being real and who's being authentic, um, I, I think Craig Riedel is going to have to explain how he can go from the part of the question that wasn't in, in the most important here is that I don't like the way he communicates it's unbecoming of a president, which is what he said. The part that really matters here was we, when he was asked directly by the questioner, so it doesn't sound like you're going to be supporting Donald Trump's primary. And he said, I'm with you. We need to go in a different direction. So when you say that very specific thing, um, you know, we need to go in a different direction away from Donald Trump in the primary to I am endorsing Donald Trump in the primary. He's going to have to answer for that. And there's nothing you or I can say that's going to well, affect so, people's so votes. That's, that's up to him. I, I, I agree with you. Again, it goes back to that whole loyalty oath thing. There are a lot of people. Listen, there's a lot of people supporting uh, other candidates. I'm not saying that I'm one of them. You know, you can go back. I prayed in 2018. I gave a prayer that I got beat up for it for a year at one of Donald Trump's rallies. You know, I've never I think that was the first time you and I talked. Before. Actually, it was after that. Yeah, I remember it, it well. It, yeah. it might have been. You know, I, I, I laugh. I said, I, I, you know, I'm a Baptist preacher. Well, they're kind of quiet in our church. I've never had people cheer and whistle during a prayer before. That kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, but the reality is, you know, I've supported the president for a long time. But again, and I just think that you try to trap people up in the words, and he was having a private phone call. The guy was trying to trap him up, and and does it hurt Craig? Yeah, it has hurt See, Craig. I agree with but almost everything you've said in this conversation. Representative Click, I, I agree with almost everything you said except for that part. I don't think he tried to trip him up. He asked him directly. He asked him directly if he setup. wanted Trump's endorsement, and then asked him if he would support Trump's primary for the in the primary. And and Riedel answered. So I don't know that that's tripping that's not up. A setup, Bob. Why do you record a phone call if it's not a setup? Why do you, Why do you hand it off to some producer of a talk show if it's not a setup? It but was does, a setup. Does, does it matter that he that he recorded yeah, it, it and released it because it, 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 well no because all it did was reveal Craig Craig Riedel's current stated position. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, it's not a if I ask you a direct question on a private conversation that's not on the radio and you give me an answer. Uh, and especially yeah. if we don't clear it ahead of time, which is part of media business, you know, is this off the record or on the record? If you don't say, hey, off the record, you know, I'm going to tell you something. If I go on the record, then I'm the a-hole and I lose all my credibility uh, if I put right. that on the record. But but this wasn't an off the record clarified thing. They were having a conversation and he released it. And I, so I don't think Craig got you're set talking up with a here. fundraiser. You're not talking with a, a journal. You're talking with somebody for fundraising. That's that's clearly a different state of uh, situation. I think it's despicable to do that to someone. Well, yeah, but, but Craig knew he was totally Craig knew who he was talking to. Did he not? I mean, he didn't. He knew who Alan Jacoby was to get on the phone with him. So you know, and and he does a he does a podcast. So you know, this is a recorded thing. So yeah, well, I, I don't. And I I don't. I've never heard of uh, of Jacoby before, um, and I'm not impressed with him now. Like I said, not even just what he did with Craig, but have you seen the perverse stuff that he's thrown onto my Twitter? I have it's, not. It's, it's I, I have not, and I, I had never heard of him before either. Before this, and no, I have not seen any of the stuff you're referring to. Because to I'll me, to the folk. Yeah, well, I mean, you can, um, and I'll look at it. But the the focus here, to me, shouldn't be on the questioner. It should be on the guy who answered so the question because so he's the one running for office. Is, is who's going to beat Marcy Capter? I'll be honest with you. Matt, who's going to be beat Marcy Capter and be a good congressman? He, Jr. 
and I, I do like Jr. I've been upset with him lately, but I down deep I like Jr. But he lost by 13 points to Marcy Capter in a red district. Donald Trump won by three, so that's that's a 16 point difference. He was actually a drag on Donald Trump. He did not help Trump, and Trump did not help him. Uh, well, he, Trump probably did help him because he probably lost by bigger if it wasn't for Trump. His only message has been. Uh, I got Donald Trump's phone number. I've been to I've been to some of his events last year. When I was trying to support him, and he never talked about good policy. He just talked about Donald Trump, which is I mean, listen, talk good about Donald Trump. I'm not a problem with that, but give us some policy. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us how you're going to beat Marcy. And, and I tried to advise him. Many other conservatives tried to advise him, and his, his campaign staff tried to advise him, and he would not listen to anyone. He had a one-track mind on this, and he will not beat Marcy. He's proven that. He'll get beat by her again. I Listen, I voted against the redistricting maps because I had the best congressman in the nation. I had Jim Jordan, number one, the best. And I was afraid that, that if we changed, I would end up with Marcy Kaptur. And guess what happened? Marcy Kaptur's my congresswoman. How do you think I feel? I know I get it. Hey, I was mad when they I was mad when they redrew them because Jordan was my congressman too. But I got lucky because now that he's not, I do have Bob Latta who's doing a fine job. So yeah, Bob's uh, doing Bob's doing a fantastic yes, job. Yes, he is. Yes, he but, is. But hey, now I got Mar- I got Marcy. I know you got Marcy. Right. And Jordan's my congressman now. Who's your congressman? Uh, Marcy Kaptur. You know <laughs> that's, that's where I'm stuck. I want somebody that's going to win. I know, I know. So, so Representative Click, I'm I'm so out of time here, but I've got a couple more questions for you. Are you busy this morning, or can you hang through the bottom of the hour? Okay, it's 10.35. Uh, We do continue now at AM 14.20, the answer. We've got Daniel Greenfield coming up at uh, the top of the hour at 11.10. We're going to talk about the latest on Israel and a couple of other important matters. But right now we continue. uh, Just one more short segment here with uh, Representative Gary Click, who was kind enough to come on and then work a little bit overtime. Representative Click has endorsed uh, Craig Riedel, former uh, four-time... uh, state representative, uh, four-term state representative uh, against uh, J.R. Majewski in the primary fight to take on Marcy Kaptur in Ohio 9. And we're talking about the controversial uh, audio recording that Craig uh, Riedel uh, uh, was a part of in a conversation in which he talked about his lack of uh, real strong support for Donald Trump's primary. And then he went ahead and endorsed uh, uh, Donald Trump in the primary and whether or not uh, this is going to this is going to uh, how this is going to play out rather in the general. So, Representative Click, if Jr. wins this primary and he did beat Craig Riedel two years ago in the uh, 2022 primary, if he does it again and is the guy, are you going to be able to mend fences enough and support and endorse him? Given the, uh, the, I, I re- the yeah, I really don't. Know. I really don't know, Bob. I, I don't know if I can do that. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, I won't work against him, but I don't know that I can put my name on JR, just some of the things I've seen and some of those uh, alliances that he's been with, uh, obviously other than Donald Trump. I, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can put my, my, my stamp on that brand. Um, and the fact is, even if it means the alternative is Marcy gets a little stronger, uh, you know, I'll have to look at that when that comes. I'm just trying right now. I'm just trying to keep that from happening. Uh, and keep in mind, Craig was winning in the last primary. There was an ad that came out in order to try to help our friend, uh, Teresa Gavron. Either one of them would have been great, but it was, came out to support Teresa by attacking Craig. And that knocked Craig down. But what happened is neither one of them had been focusing on JR, and it didn't help Teresa. And JR shot the gap. 
Uh, JR didn't earn it. Listen, what's JR's credentials? He painted a Trump sign in his yard. God bless him for that. I, I love that. You know, my, my son went out there for a rally that he had. All good stuff, you know, but that doesn't qualify you for Congress. You know, Donald Trump, when he talks about him, pay attention. When Donald Trump talks about JR, he thinks he's a farmer. He calls him a farmer. He lives on a city lot. He's not a farmer. And that's how well Donald Trump actually knows JR. He's a farmer driving a tractor, putting signs out in his yard. That is not who JR is. The, the president doesn't know him. I mean, he knows he's why, a good why do you guy. think he why do you think his message resonated though that he won in twenty two He won that primary fight. He beat Craig Riedel and another. Why? I mean, you know, if he's not qualified because all he did was so, put a so sign in his yard. Some, so people had some issues with our friend <laughs> Teresa because she started off not living in the district. I think that that hurt her. She's a good person, by the way. She's a good friend, yeah. but I think that was the the thing that kind of hurt her in the campaign. And then, you know, her a pack that was trying to help her, I think it was McCarthy, I'm not certain, put out an ad against Craig, and that hurt Craig. Uh, it was it was not accurate, but it, it hurt him in the last minute. And so people were like, I don't know about Craig, but I don't know about Teresa. Okay, you know, we know that, you know, JR's a Trump guy. He loves the president. And so I think that's what got him across the finish line. But I'm going to tell you something else. In the last two years, JR has not been working the district. Craig Riedel has never stopped. He's come to everything we've had in my district. Uh, he's been there. He shows up. The people know Craig. They trust Craig. We talked about it in our central committee meeting after this broke. People uh, here in Sandusky County are still behind Craig. Uh, JR, we haven't seen him. He's been traveling the country. He goes out to this event and to that event and does stuff with, you know, Matt Gates and all those people. But we don't see him here locally. He's riding the social media train, but he's not really riding the campaign trail. And that seems disingenuous to me and to a lot of people in our district. You know, he's riding the social media high, but he's not really, you know, here connecting with the constituents. Uh, That seems like AstroTurf instead of the real grassroots activism that we need here in uh, the 9th District. JR has agreed to come on with me tomorrow to talk about all this stuff. We have not gotten a response yet from Craig. So since you, uh, you know, and you yeah. said he's present and he's there at all of the events and things like that, maybe if you could uh, put in a good word, tell Craig we'd love to talk to him here and give him a chance to uh, tell his own side of the story, especially after sure. JR goes tomorrow. Because like yeah, said, so and far, let me just he's clarify, kind of you know, Craig has not asked me to do any of this stuff. I, I'm doing this on my own because I'm a constituent of the Ninth District in Ohio. Okay, I, I have you. a little bit of clout, and I like and I'm going to use it for what I think is best for our district, but I am not an official spokesman for Craig Riedel. Understood. Uh, I just support him. But since, yeah, but since you said you've been a friend for for some time, if you could yeah, uh, sure. give, him a, give him a little I'm, nudge, I'll, tell, I'll him, tell him we're trying right. to reach him, because I'd love to have him on. Yeah. Like I said, JR is going to come on and give his side of this thing tomorrow, and I really would feel complete if I heard uh, Craig uh, in a conversation with me as well. So um, last yeah. thing I wanted to ask you about, Representative Click, this one I did not like. Um, I saw this uh, over the weekend. I don't remember what day it was, Saturday maybe. Uh, I'm friends with Chris Dore of Ohio Gun Owners, and he tweeted right. in a conversation with the two of you guys about uh, HB 51. He asked you whether or not you were going to water down uh, the bill to appease gun control groups, and uh, you basically had a little back and forth with him. And at the end of the video, um, he said, what are you going to do now? And you said, well, if you keep acting like you're acting, I'll just kill it. You're going to kill his bill, which, of course, for those who don't know HB 51, it's important. Uh, this is uh, this would prevent local and state authorities from helping to, to enforce enforce any of Biden's federal gun laws, gun control laws. 
Um, and so it's important to a lot of Second Amendment people, including myself. Uh, so can you give me your version and your side Absolutely. of things there, what, what happened yeah, there? I, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity mm. to, clear, to clear that up. So sure. first of all, I just kind of spoke out of anger. <laughs> just to be frank, I think we all do that once in a while. Chris Dorr's been a jerk, and that, that's all there is to it. I've got a 100% voting record with uh, a Second Amendment. When I first ran, Chris Dorr didn't like me because of some stuff that Melissa Ackes had said. And he literally changed my answers on my survey. Uh, literally, he went and rewrote it, put it on his website, just the opposite of what I put. So I've never trusted Chris Dorse since then. Uh, number two, he accosted me going in to vote. Instead of, he's never made an appointment, never tried to talk to me. He accosted me when I was going in to vote. The sheriffs, you know, I, I value law enforcement. I value their opinion. And I've been talking to my sheriffs and and communicating uh, indirectly with BSSA to say, okay, here's some things just to clarify, because we don't want to defund the police in the process. My sheriff has already been to battle with uh, the Dwayne, uh, with not Dwayne, but with um, uh, the Biden administration, and won. You know, they wanted to make all of his deputies get vaccinated. He said, I'm not doing that. And, and he went to battle with uh, Attorney General Yost, and he won. He's not afraid to stand up. But when he says, you know, I might lose my contract, you know, he, he works with ICE. He houses the, the detainees. Mm-hmm. He said, I might lose my contract with them over this. And he said, we might lose access to uh, the federal databases and the ability to work on the drug task forces. I said, you know, I want to do it. I want to do what the intent of 51 is, but we've got to make sure there are not any unintended consequences. That's in every piece of legislation. You have to do that. But Dorr doesn't take that. And he, he said, he asked me if I was supporting. I said, well, I got questions. And he says, what are your questions? And I told him, he said, well, did you tell your sheriff he's an effing idiot? Now, listen, I respect law enforcement. I've been a law enforcement chaplain for, for a decade. I know my sheriffs, and I'm not going to call them that. And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, well, then you're an effing idiot. That is not a way a lobbyist ought to act. He should have said, let's have a conversation. Let's see how we can fix this. He didn't say that. He said, have you read it? Well, there's, what, 18 different versions of it out there. It just passed out of committee. Which version did he want me to read? I have read it. There are things that need to be addressed. He, instead, he wants to fundraise, and he wants to throw out stuff and say, Gary Click is single-handedly killing this. I wish I had that much power, Bob. <laughs> if I could single-handedly you know, kill this bill, I could have single-handedly passed the state. Well, what would he be I fundraising for? Power. What, what would Chris be right? fundraising for? He's not running for anything, is he? He fundraises for his organization. <clears throat> oh, you mean just to, and, and, just I mean, to get support for a There's all kinds of articles about him and his brothers doing that uh, that are out there. They, they, they have to have a villain. Uh, every time there's somebody that's bad, and he's taking on the habits of some crazy guy that runs around acting like a chicken in the state house, trolling everybody with his camera instead of having real conversations. And his um, his his, his targets like his targets on on uh, on December thirteenth, he he specifically uh, talked about targeting um, Sarah Carruthers and Cindy Abrams and Tracy Richardson. He's, those are the three that he says the architects of the efforts to stop HB 51. Do you consult with them? Well, he said it was me before. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's kind of creepy chasing women in a garage with a camera. And when you're a big guy like Chris Dorr, that is creepy. Why doesn't he make an appointment and come into someone's office and have a legitimate conversation uh, the, even supporters of the bill are tired of Chris Dorr. I'm going to tell you that right now. 
His tact—he does not act like a, a regular lobbyist. I mean, you know, lobbyists have a bad name to begin with, but many of them are actually trying to get good things done. Well, he's—he's—he's so he, he's, he's obviously name. very passionate about Second Amendment and no gun control, taking away Americans' so rights. So am I. And, and, so am I. And, and so, so what I want to know, Representative Click, is. Personalities aside, you obviously have a personality clash with him. You don't like his personality. He probably doesn't like yours, and that's fine. Probably. If we agree on the merits of the bill, we're going to get this thing done, right? We're not going to we're not going to succumb and let the feds run, uh, you know, roughshod over over uh, Second Amendment rights and law enforcement so the telling reason, them what to do here in the state of Ohio. You're right? absolutely right. And what I will tell you is, I was trying to get his bill into shape so that we could support it. He would not work with us. He would not work with us in getting it in shape so it does not defund the police, but it does what it says. And so if the bill dies, and I'm not in control of that, you know, despite my outburst of anger, I'm not in control of that. But if it dies, it's because Chris Bill or Chris Dore killed his own bill. It's not because I killed it or, or uh, anyone else killed it. It's because Chris Dore killed it. Um, and so where does, where does it stand right office, now? We can get another one that will do what he's trying to do, but we'll get one that does it without defunding the police. You're, you support law enforcement. Listen, does it matter if it's a, if it's somebody poses as a conservative or it's BLM? If it defunds the police, it's not good. It's not good if BLM wants to defund the police. It's not good if, he, if Chris Dorr wants to defund the police. Yeah. Let's well, obviously there's, a, obviously there's a clash there. Yeah. Yeah, his tweet, by the way, when he talked about Abrams and Carruthers and Richardson, said that the FOP, BSSA, uh, and uh, OPA are 100% in favor of gun control. Um, That's not true. I mean, obviously, there are law enforcement agents who, you know, don't want to have, you know, a ton of guns on the streets uh, for obvious reasons, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're in favor of gun control. Law-abiding citizens are supported by most law enforcement officers. So I think that's, you know, that's something. So where, where, Representative Click, where does it stand right now, uh, HB 51? Well, you know, it doesn't look good. Again, I'm not in control. I was actually trying to help get this, and, and I started, almost had a civil conversation with Chris. We started to have one, and then he starts throwing junk out on social media uh, after that, and that's when I put my post out uh, after after he put his post out. I thought we were starting to make some progress, but I think his behavior has really hurt him with the caucus. Just to be frank, it's hurting with everybody, uh, even his allies, and, and that's not good. Uh, I would if we can't get fifty one, I'm all in favor of you know getting you know. 451 or do something to to do what he says he's trying to do but to do it in a way that it does not defund the police i am 100 percent in favor of that we don't want joe biden's gun grab but he's got to quit you know with all the crazy antics and get down to serious business and working with people and if he can't do it we'll do it without him I, i'm prepared to do it without him i don't need chris to to get a good you know, law in place that protects our second amendment rights we can do that without him yeah, well, I certainly hope uh, that, like I said before, personality clashes here and just different styles of trying to achieve the same ends. Even the don't bill kill sponsors those are ends. done with the bill sponsors are done with Chris. I think. 
Well, like I said, and, you know, and if that's the case, then fine, but let's not be done with the bill. Let's not be done with, you know, if you want to be done with the person who's, you know, uh, you know, one of the strongest supporters of it, uh, who, you know, who helped, uh, promote, you know, it being written, fine. But, but if it's, if the cause right. is right, and, and that is let's not sacrifice our rights the to the federal government, then we need to find a way to get that done. And I hope that's I something you and the others can do. I believe our whole caucus is. I believe our whole caucus is with the cause. Well, that's the, the that's, chaos. that's the most important thing. All right. Hey, Representative Click, I'll let you run. I appreciate you hanging on and doing overtime and doing a couple of different issues with us. These are all very, very important. Hey, I'm sure we will not speak before. Yeah, it, it, it's it's always a pleasure. Uh, uh, so I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. It's one week away. We probably won't talk between now and then. Yeah. Uh, unless, of course, we have a celebratory segment on uh, the uh, signing of the SAFE Act by Mike DeWine. That would be a great way to that'd be well, a nice Christmas that, gift for that all That would be a great Christmas present, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. God bless you and your family. I thank you so much for always right radio and for the conservative stands you take. Bob, you're a real you champion. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Representative Click. Don't forget, give a little nudge to uh, Mr. Riedel for me, all right? All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, sir. All right, that's uh, Gary Click, Representative uh, District 88. And, uh, well, you heard it. You know, he is for Craig Riedel. Uh, he thinks Craig Riedel was set up. Uh, he thinks uh, he's been misrepresented. He is opposed to J.R. Majewski, but he will... Well, I actually didn't say he would support him if he wins the primary. He said he wouldn't get in his way, but he uh, don't know, doesn't know if he can put a stamp on. And then you just heard the issue regarding 51. So uh, he's a champion, is Representative Gary Click, for the passage of the SAFE Act. That was huge. That was his. And that's uh, going to pay dividends for Ohio children for years and years and years to come who are not going to be allowed to be experimented upon. Uh, and uh, for girls and female athletes, uh, they're not going to be forced to compete against males, lose the opportunities that uh, they've been afforded by Title IX. That's a huge, huge win. So we certainly appreciate that from Representative Click, and I welcome your thoughts on any one of the above. The Majewski-Riedel fight, the uh, uh, HB51 fight, uh, or, uh, or obviously... This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know... And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, hour number three is underway on this Monday. It's eight minutes after 11 o'clock. It is the 18th morning of the 12th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. And as we are now just one week away from Christmas and celebrating the birth of our Savior, those of us who do indeed celebrate that, uh, particularly all Christians, but since I'm Catholic, I'll say particularly Catholics, we're greeted by this headline this morning. Roman Catholic Church 
Pope Francis allows priests to bless same-sex couples. A new document explaining a change in Vatican policy released Monday morning, saying that people seeking God's love and mercy shouldn't be subject to an exhaustive moral analysis to receive it. Francis sent a letter to conservative cardinals saying such blessings could be offered under some circumstances if those receiving said blessing did not confuse the ritual with the sacrament of marriage. All right. There you go. That's something that we will indeed have to address uh, at some point uh, in the future, maybe tomorrow. But right now, I want to uh, welcome uh, back to our program uh, one of my favorite guests because he's one of my favorite people to read. I have no idea how one human being can write this much this quickly. Last night, I was browsing the uh, Twitter feed of Daniel Greenfield, who's a columnist and a journalist, writes for Front Page Magazine and a lot of other uh, publications. His own website is danielgreenfield.org. But I was uh, kind of browsing, and I saw no less than three different articles or, or subjects that I asked Seth to reach out to Daniel Greenfield and say I'd like to talk to. This morning, I wake up to find like seven more. Go to front page, go to frontpagemag.com, and you will see Daniel Greenfield's name all over the place, uh, just all dated December 18th. So um, I want to welcome him to the program and see if he's got a couple of hours, because that's how long it's going to take to get through all of these different things, things that he has been writing and working on. So Daniel Greenfield, welcome back to our program here in Cleveland. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me back. That's quite an introduction. Well, it's a it's a worth. I mean, I'm just I I, I want to. I'm going to talk about the three things that I asked my my producer Seth to to you know bring up to you last night. But I I wake up this morning and I see Empire State Building honors country responsible for 9/11 by Daniel Greenfield. Is Biden a threat to democracy by Daniel Greenfield? Biden warns that North Korea's nuking America is unacceptable by Daniel Greenfield. California adds drug users as protected class all by Daniel Greenfield. All dated this morning i mean did you sleep last night or how do you do this uh considering all the craziness that's going on can anybody sleep anymore <laughs> we have a little, all this going on all around us it's everywhere touche you you're that is very very true well i'm glad you use your waking hours to do such very important work uh for all of us to consider uh and that, that of course doesn't even count the uh reclaiming the romance of our cause which is something else that you wrote about so there's a lot of there's so much ground i do want to cover with you we'll dive into the first one i just shared this with uh, my audience before the top of the hour before you came on the um, CDC signage that you tweeted about, and, and I don't know where it was posted, and I was hoping you can provide some context for this, but the CDC signage uh, welcoming all students, well, somewhat all students, undocumented, black, Muslim, Latino, female, LGBTQ, and those with disabilities, notable in their absence were white males and Jews uh, on the specific welcoming sign by the CDC. Can you tell me, give us any context for that, Daniel? Oh, so that sign is uh, a, it's funded by the CDC, but it's uh, the recipient is the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, which is a pretty strange, the straight part, uh, because very obviously the LGBTQ plus whatever uh, takes the lead on that. Uh, you know, if they just actually put up a sign saying gay students welcome. That would at least make sense. But they've got um, illegal aliens in there. They've got black students in there. They've got Muslim students in there. Muslims are not big fans of gay students. Then somewhere down the bottom they've got lgbtq students uh there's no mention of any other religious group there's no mention of asian students so it's you know this kind of ideal leftist um identity politics with 
uh, leaves out anybody who isn't uh, fairly destructive, and this was funded by taxpayer money. It's quite exclusionary. And a lot of people are responding to that. It went viral. Yeah, I, I, I shared it as well, and I was blown away by it because, again, what's notable, and as you pointed out, spot who's missing. You know, white males, I mean, it does say females, but it doesn't say white. Uh, so white people, generally speaking, males, because it doesn't say males, it, it only says females. And then, like I said, again, at this particular time of rising in anti-Semitism all across the country, one might think if you're going to feature at least one religion, religion like Islam, that you might want to welcome the Jewish students as well, but they uh, they they went out of their way. It seems to exclude that. Yeah, they definitely exclude Jews, and you know they exclude every religious group except Muslims, Christians, Hindus, um, Buddhists. Nobody else is on there except Muslims, which again kind of gives you the sense of their ideal um, hierarchy. I call it the victimhood Olympics. That their hierarchy of who belongs and who doesn't. This is supposed to be about inclusion, about saying who belongs. What it actually says is these are the people we think belong, and these are the people who are admitted. These are the people who don't belong. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of kind of. I mean, I can understand why they didn't do Christians because you know we're the majority. They they only choose marginalized communities, which is why they chose the Muslims. But how do they? How do they possibly justify not including Jewish students in that same thing? The Jews are the Jewish community is much more marginalized than the Islamic community is in this country, as we have been watching since October 7th and the deterioration of support for Israel and their right to defend themselves. That kind of proves it. Yeah, it does. Uh, this really isn't, I don't think this is surprising to anybody, especially um, in the month since October 7th. Uh, there are this is not about actually helping people who are oppressed. This is about helping people who they think can be weaponized for their political causes. That's what the Swiss really is. These are the people we can take you and we can use you to fight oppression on behalf of the left or so-called oppression. Yeah, that's very well said, because that's exactly what it is. That's a list of recruiting goals. We are recruiting all of these marginalized communities because identity politics insists that we do. We're recruiting all of you to join our side and join our cause to expand our power base, and that's exactly what they're doing. They don't care about any of those individual groups. They care about the power that those groups can help them wield. Um, we're talking with uh, journalist and author Daniel Greenfield this morning. Um, What's going on in Oregon? This is another one you wrote. This was actually right before the weekend. Oregon Democrats are running, or excuse me, are stopping Republicans from running for office. What's happening? So it's one of those stories that nobody's paying attention to. You know, a few people, a few Democrats got expelled in Tennessee for staging an insurrection on the legislative floor with a national story. Uh, the majority of the Republican Senate delegation, state Senate delegation in Oregon, are being banned from running for re-election. And it's a local story. It's not an attack on democracy. Uh, what happened is that uh, Republicans in Oregon have been doing what uh, Democrat uh, minorities have been doing in places like Texas. Uh, they've been uh, staging walkouts. Uh, they've been breaking the quorum, which, you know, upends the legislative session. It uh, requires uh, negotiating with them to get them back. This is the sort of stuff that's been going on in legislatures across the country. But in Oregon, the Democrats decided to pass a measure funded by unions, the sort of the leftist uh, foundations, that would effectively ban uh, representatives, uh, state senators who walk out, miss a certain amount of days, from running for re-election. And they've been chosen to use that against Republicans. Now, by the way, uh, it actually says that it's unexcused absences. So who decides what an unexcused absence is? The Democrats decided. So the Democrats passed a measure saying that 
uh, they're going to get to decide who can run for election and who can't. And of course, to decide the Republicans can't run for re-election. And when you say can't run, that means their name can't appear on a ballot. Not that we will oppose you, but their name can't even be on a ballot. That's that's what they're doing. Um, literally, they can't run for re-election. So that's uh, that's not the death of democracy. Uh, according to the way they see it, and, and and you're right. This is a very underreported story. I had never heard of it until I saw it in your 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 Twitter feed, and I read your article on front page. Uh, nobody is talking about this, and I'm wondering why isn't Ronna McDaniel? Why aren't Democrat or excuse me Republicans across the country outraged at at, at a state essentially saying and and kind of twerking uh, tweaking the rules rather to uh, to stop Republicans from appearing on ballots for doing the same exact thing that so many Democrats do, as you pointed out in Texas when they are outnumbered and they want to break quorum. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's an outrage. This just shows that the RNC is completely detached from what's going on on the ground. Uh, they don't pay attention to 90% of it. This is why we keep losing elections. That's why we are absolutely unprepared in 2020 for the COVID election rules. We are still unprepared, by the way. Uh, they're now signaling uh, various efforts to try to bring back some of those rules. We are not ready for that. Uh, we still have not done a serious job of battling mail-in ballots. I could go on about this for an hour. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, yes, we should actually be utilizing some of those same tactics. The only way anything is possibly going to change is if the same rules apply to both parties. Uh, if the Democrats insist on doing this, the Republicans should absolutely insist on doing this to Democrats in Texas. Doesn't it feel like Republicans are trying to always stay above the fray? In other words, we're not going to get down in the mud and do the same kinds of things that they do. We're gonna we're gonna stay clean. We're gonna fight the fight, you know, with uh, you know, with with rules, and we're not going to do these kinds of things. And it's always to to Republican detriment. Yeah, well, Republicans follow the rules that were existed ten, twenty years ago, rather than the rules that exist today. Uh, they don't deal with the real world, and they follow the rules as Democrats express them, rather than the Democrats actually live by them. And if you're going to, you know, I mean, turning your cheek is all very well. But if you're going to actually fight, you have to do an eye for an eye. You have to make it clear. Uh, You take away the rights of Republicans to run for re-election places where they're a minority. We're going to do the same in places where you're a minority. Yeah, one one would think that would be the appropriate response, but that's well said. They we're, we're fighting by the rules of twenty years ago, and the Democrats are fighting by the new rules of today. In which basically there are no rules. That's kind of how Democrats do it. Uh, we're talking with Daniel Greenfield. He is the Shillman Journalism Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center, investigative journalist and author and writer. He exposes the radical left as well as Islamic terrorism. Let's speak to the Islamic terrorism part of this now, as it uh, pertains to Hamas. Um. The Secretary of Defense for Joe Biden, Lloyd Austin, is over there now, essentially uh, trying to find out what happened uh, with the uh, killing of uh, of three actual Israelis by the IDF forces. They were claiming that there was a they were waving a white flag and that they were fired upon and they were misidentified and so forth. But the bigger picture for Lloyd Austin over there, Daniel, as we understand it, is is he's going to push the Israeli leadership to wrap this thing up, to start to wind down their offensive as they see it in Gaza, short of wiping out all of Hamas because of the international condemnation of the collateral damage of Palestinian civilians. Um, What is your read on the support? How much more support um, will the Israelis get from America going forward if they do not heed the Blinken, Austin, Biden uh, guidance on on uh, on Gaza. 
they haven't gotten all that much support. There's been a certain amount of moral support. There have been some speeches. Uh, Biden gave multiple speeches about Israel. They voted with Israel a few times at the U.N. There's been talk about an extensive aid package, but they specifically tie that aid package to a huge uh, $60 billion Ukraine package, which Republicans hate. They've tangled that up in the border situation. At this point, I'm skeptical that, is, that any of that will, any of those weapons will actually make their way to Israel. Uh, they've authorized some release of weapons, but then they start holding it up. So they're constantly holding up whatever they promise in order to pressure Israel. So as a practical matter, Israel has not gotten all that much support, actual on the ground, meaningful support from the Biden administration. Uh, and yes, they've, uh, they're insisting on uh, ending the uh, operation against Hamas by the end of the year, which would completely leave Hamas in power. All the Israelis have managed to do, and they've done it pretty effectively, is to take out fortified Hamas positions and their physical control over the ground, which they did in a record amount of time, because Boston was talking about his experience in Mosul and Iraq against ISIS, and he was saying that Israelis should use that as a model. In Mosul, uh, we spent about nine months there. Uh, there were over a thousand casualties, mostly Iraqis, and there were you know, 10 to 40,000 civilian deaths, and much of the city was leveled. Israel took Gaza City in much less time than that with much less casualties. But the Biden administration is insisting that we play by um, these same disastrous rules that got so many Americans killed in Iraq, so many Americans killed in Afghanistan, or effectively wind down the operation. And both of those are absolutely unworkable, which means there's a break coming. The break is going to arrive by the end of the year, at which point the Biden administration will officially wash its hands of Israel. That's an astounding thought, uh, to be to be truthful. Um, the numbers of dead civilians in in uh, in Gaza, Daniel Greenfield, are, are completely unreliable. Are they not? I mean, are we supposed to truly trust the Hamas uh, health ministry to give us the true number of dead? Not to mention, you know, the the overwhelming number of, the, the, of them that they say are children. I mean, are we buying this and just accepting if they say it, it must be true, knowing their history of propaganda? It's insane. All these numbers are coming out of Hamas. They're coming out of the Hamas Ministry of Health, and the hostages were actually being kept in hospitals under the watch of the Hamas Ministry of Health. Uh, We never accepted the numbers that were coming out of al-Qaeda or ISIS or the Taliban in Afghanistan. You know, sometimes the media would publish them, but we wouldn't take them very seriously. They would say 400, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 are dead. We never uh, treated information from terrorists as fact. Yet the media insists on not only treating this as a fact, but actually not identifying it as coming from Hamas. And uh, even the Biden administration is trying to take it seriously. After Biden initially dismissed the Hamas numbers, uh, he apologized to Islamist groups in America like CARE yeah. and started taking the numbers seriously. Yeah, he did. He literally did. He literally apologized for doubting them. The 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 organization that carried out the October 7th atrocity. Sorry, I didn't believe you when you told us how many people uh, had been killed in uh, in response. Um, so do you believe that without U.S. support, which you're saying should, you know, very likely will end at the end of this calendar year? Will Netanyahu continue in 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 spite of lack of international support then? I don't think he has any choice. Uh... The effect of this on Israelis can't be underestimated. It's the equivalent of Israel's September 11th. Imagine if a few months after September 11th we said, okay, sorry, you know, we're, we're done here. We're going to kind of leave al-Qaeda intact in Afghanistan. Uh, we're going to leave Osama bin Laden out there. We're just going to go back to business as usual. Americans would have not stood for it. Israelis are not going to stand for it. 
The question is just not, obviously the Biden administration is going to withdraw support. The question is how much are they going to actively interfere? How much are they going to try to pressure or punish Israel, try to take down the government? Daniel Greenfield is my guest, um, and that is just, it's unacceptable, and I agree with you, every word. We would not have accepted such a such a uh, haphazard response to 9-11, and Israel should not be expected to do that either. And since you brought up 9-11, I'll ask you about the, the other article that you wrote this morning. Empire State Building honors country responsible for 9-11. What's going on here? It's outrageous, but it just shows how we also failed to meaningfully respond to September 11th. We went after a bunch of guys in caves. We did not go after the people backing them and funding them in the Gulf oil states. That includes Qatar. Qatar is considered a United States ally. We have a naval base there. And Qatar also owns 10% of the Empire State Building, which means that the Empire State Building just put up Qatari colors. Now, Qatar, besides being a state sponsor of Hamas uh, recently, uh, is also, was also had close ties to al-Qaeda. And Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the mastermind of September 11th, was actually in Qatar before all of this. We tried to go get him. Uh, the Qataris tipped him off, uh, put him on the plane, got him out of the country. As a result, September 11th was able to happen. Uh, Qatar obviously uh, was responsible for the dirty deal with the Taliban. Uh, they're tied to any number of terrorist groups from al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hamas, uh, including the Muslim Brotherhood, which is actually undermining America from within. Yet they've also brought up so many of our elites. We hear nothing negative about them, about Al Jazeera and the media. So this is very much a case of we did not learn the lessons of September 11th. We're still allowing those responsible to run our country. Uh, that is uh, that is astounding, and that's a news flash for me, and maybe for a lot of other people. What you just said—that uh, the the nation of Qatar owns ten percent of the Empire State Building—is that right? They own 10% of the Empire State Building, but they also own 90% of Washington, D.C. Wow. That is uh, that is incredible. And they are, as you say, a state sponsor of Hamas. And Hamas is uh, one of Hamas's uh, chief leaders, uh, of course, delivered his remarks about October 7th from the comfort of Qatar, uh, where he is protected. Unbelievable. Daniel Greenfield, you're doing great work. It's important work. I'm so glad to be able to have you uh, on uh, Front Page Magazine, uh, frontpagemag.com. I'll send people there as well, as well as to your website, danielgreenfield.com. Or, I'm sorry, org, danielgreenfield.org. And we really appreciate you coming on to share these important stories with with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. That's Daniel Greenfield. Follow his work. It's important work. He's got, I still don't know where he finds the time to write this many stories in such a short period of time, but they're all meticulously researched and worth your time. Okay. Time out. Bottom of the hour. We'll take a breath. We've been talking pretty much nonstop. Haven't had a chance for your phone calls today, but if you would like to make a call or two under the wire... Okay, 11.37, and uh, getting ready to wind it down on AM 14.20, The Answer. Uh, But if you've got some questions or comments, anything you want to talk about that we have discussed this morning with Jim Jordan, if you missed that, by the way, you're going to want to hear it at whkradio.com. It should be up and posted for you within, uh, you know, the next hour or so. We spoke uh, at length with Representative Gary Click, State Representative Gary Click from Ohio 88, on a couple of very important issues involving a congressional race and a gun, a gun control bill, or rather a bill that's being presented, <clears throat> HB 51, in uh, the state of Ohio to stop the gun control uh, federal, uh, federal, federal Nazis, if you will, from uh, 
from taking your Second Amendment rights for, away from you here in Ohio. This bill would stop Ohio law enforcement or local law enforcement from doing the work of the feds for them. So it's an important bill. So we spoke about that. If you missed it, you can uh, certainly hear that one as well. And then, of course, we just wrapped up with Daniel Greenfield, and there's a lot of grist for the mill there. So if you want to get in at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, you certainly can do that. I want to... Uh, I want to play something for you here. This is um, this is something that'll be of particular interest to um, Northeast Ohio Cleveland Browns fans. Um, Bernie Kosar is the legend. <clears throat> Obviously, he is one of the most popular Browns of all time, and he is um, you know one of the greatest players in franchise history. He's you also know that he has suffered some very serious uh, conditions uh, due to the number of hits that he took to his head, brain injuries, um, and so forth. And he's he struggled a great deal to bounce back and come back from all of that. But his story is just extraordinary. And we chronicled it in a very, very deep dive on my TV podcast called Strictly Speaking on True Blue. You can watch it right now if you're a True Blue subscriber. And if you're not a True, a True Blue subscriber, Consider it. It's four ninety nine a month. It's it's like uh, you know what is that a, a latte a month, um, and you can do that at watchtrueblue.com. Watch True Blue and blue true and blue are no ease. T r u b l u. Watch True Blue, and you can watch this Bernie Kosar deep dive uh, hour plus conversation on demand there. But it's also uh, being publicly shown on our fast channels for free today. At 4 o'clock this afternoon, roughly 4 o'clock this afternoon, on the fast channels of Roku, Plex, or uh, TCL TV+, Plus, you can watch the full thing. I want to play this short little clip of part of the interview that I did with Bernie because it's, I don't know, it's equal parts impactful and, and sad but inspirational and insightful as well. Because we talk in this interview with Bernie about everything from his national championship days at Miami to his glory days with the Browns to these darker days after football that he has suffered through. And I just find it fascinating and illuminating, and I hope you will consider watching the full interview. You've heard through the years, because he stayed in Cleveland, the talk radio shows, one of which I hosted, uh, and the whispers about, you know, Bernie, Bernie's got brain damage. Or... Bernie Kosar showed up to an event drunk because you slur your speech sometimes, because you have some things that are impacted by the number of brain injuries that you suffered. How did you feel when you heard those things? So, unfortunately, both could have been true, okay? And and the first one of the brain damage, CTE, TBI, Parkinson's, you know, whatever the acronyms you want to throw at us or... We're in that space, okay, in that space, and, and we're still there, too. It's not all healed, so it's not. It's that part of it. The part that's proud is after that last seizure when I was in a coma for that 96th hour, and the doctor came in and said, man, Bernie, you're such a tough guy. You're doing great. Keep up your prescriptions and protocols. I'm like, bro, I'm on like 60 pills a day. You know, I'm, I'm on... Uh, Almost a thousand milligrams of Oxycontins, Adderalls, Vyvanse, high blood pressure, anti-inflammation, cholesterol pills, Ambien's, um, Xanaxes, and still you're in pain and you're not sleeping. So the ability to get off of all of that um, um, 
and not do a pill in five years. And four years ago, to be diagnosed with five years left of cognitive brain function um, has been life-changing for me. So at times when that was happening... Wait, 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 wait. Don't gloss over that. Four years ago... Four years ago, I was told I have five years left of cognitive brain function. The inability... I couldn't say cognitive five years, four years ago. I couldn't enunciate, articulate, communicate. I couldn't remember that you're Bob France. I could not get out words to sit through a podcast. So those whispers are accurate. Those whispers are accurate, uh, Bernie said. Um, he is so willing to, you know, be self-introspective in this conversation. And, and, and I just wanted to share it because, first of all, I want you to watch it. That's the selfish part of this. But the not selfish part of this is I think there is some inspiration to be found there um, because he is willing to admit everything that has happened to him, including his addictions to some 60 or more different types of pills, painkillers, uh, things all to try to help him cope with the brain injuries. And this guy, Bernie Kosar's entire life, was focused on his brain, his career, was was. His successful career wasn't because he was a good athlete. He could hardly, you know, he admitted in the interview, he could hardly bench press 185 pounds. You know, the average high school sophomore can do that. He had no physical tools. He, he was great because of his brain. And when his brain was impacted so dramatically by his career, um, he, was, he was at the end of some ropes, quite frankly. And he found a way to heal himself, and he wants to share the way that he heals himself, with everyone else, uh, wellness is his new, you know, is his new mission in life. So it's just a fascinating interview, and I hope you'll consider watching the whole thing. I was just told that the three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.